0: Hi, I'm Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, and you're listening to the Patients Come First podcast.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Patients Come First podcast. On today's episode, we're thrilled to be joined by Dr. M. Norman Oliver, who is the Virginia State Health Commissioner. In that role, Dr. Oliver leads the Virginia Department of Health and the many programs, departments, and initiatives that come under that umbrella. We'll chat about some of that for the next few minutes with Dr. Oliver, who we now welcome to the show. Welcome, sir. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for making the time and your busy schedule. It's a real honor to have you on the show today. And to start with, I'd just like to give listeners a, a sense of who you are. Everyone, all of us, has a unique story, but I find your path to medicine, which was something of a mid-career transition for you, quite fascinating. Another interesting tidbit about you is that after going to medical school, you practiced in a pretty remote area of the country, and you worked with an underserved population. If you would, Dr. Oliver please tell our listeners a little bit about your career arc and the places that it's taken you.
0: Well, I did not start off wanting to be a physician. I uh, had a a career in print journalism and wound up in Cleveland, Ohio as a managing editor of a group of trade journals published by Harcourt, Brace, and And among those journals was a number of magazines that were aimed at physicians, these were medical trade journals, and I got really interested in the content, decided that I'd rather do it than write about it, and so I did, in fact, make a mid-career change and got myself into Case Western Reserve University School of Medicine at the uh, tender age of 40 and did a uh, joint degree in uh, medicine and medical anthropology there did my training there as well, family medicine at the uh, University Hospitals of Cleveland. And upon finishing my training, family and I moved to rural Alaska, where I worked in an Eskimo fishing village by the name of Bethel for a couple of years before coming down to Virginia to join the faculty of the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Virginia, where I worked for close to 20 years. Uh, As a researcher, clinician, ultimately I was the chair of the department there, family medicine, until July of uh, 2017 when I came to the Virginia Department of Health.
1: Well, that, that is quite the interesting career pathway, and I will say on a personal note as someone who's worked in the news business for the first part of my career before coming to healthcare, uh, I find that journey really interesting and, and personally relatable. As you mentioned, your career has taken you from patient care to academia uh, as a department chair at the University of Virginia and now on to state government in the current role that you have uh, as a public health official. I wonder, throughout those stops, is there a common thread that runs through them?
0: Well, that's an interesting question. And, you know, the title of the podcast is Patient Comes First, and that's really what's been driving this. Uh, as a journalist, I found myself just completely fascinated by the people who I wrote about, what motivated them to do the things that uh, we were finding newsworthy. and I got very interested in that and wanted to figure it out. When I went to med school, my uh, I said I did a joint uh, degree program. I was also enrolled in the grad school taking medical anthropology, which is feeding all of this interest of mine and, and how uh, social, cultural, economic factors all played in uh, health and illness uh, and the way that we dealt with health and illness. Uh, My research as a uh, family medicine uh, researcher really focused on these same sorts of issues. And as a uh, academic physician, I became involved not just in the research around this, but uh, in working in the health system to try and make changes in the health system that could really address these bigger issues uh, as Many clinicians and hospital systems are uh, becoming increasingly aware of the people that we see in, the, in our clinic exam rooms and in our hospitals. The things that drive them there are the sort of conditions in which they live. And we know that we have to deal with these health-related social needs if we're going to really adequately improve the health of the people that we serve. And those sorts of concerns got me increasingly interested in public health and, and um, trying to deal with these sorts of uh, concerns at a broader uh, level. And that's um, what I, I'm doing now, and I'm very excited about the kinds of prospects for, that we have going forward.
1: Well, that's a great segue to talk about some of the issues, the social determinants and other factors that have a real impact on on people's health and and well-being. The Hospital Association and and the Health Department partner on a number of initiatives, as you know, uh, but for the benefit of our listeners, uh, we should tell them that one project that's recently underway um, and just had its first meeting a few weeks ago, uh, we're taping this in, in early August, and it's something that's also a passion for you, Dr. Oliver, is, is population health. And that initiative I alluded to is the Partnering for a Healthy Virginia Project. If you would, can you provide a quick overview of that work and, and what you hope that it will ultimately produce?
0: And um, The VHHA and uh, Virginia Department of Health have joined together to launch this uh, Partnering for a Healthy Virginia initiative. And the way that we're both looking at it, I believe, is the understanding that if you're going to all really have an impact on health-related social needs like affordable housing, uh, poverty, improving education, and much, much more, it requires a, a broad coalition of, of people working on it. This is not something that any one hospital or health system is going to be able to solve. This is not something that... The Virginia Department of Health is going to solve on its own. But if we get together and uh, align our resources, sort of grade our resources together, we can have major, major impact. And as you uh, mentioned a few weeks ago, we uh, had the first meeting of uh, folks involved, uh, conversion uh, foundations, a um, number of health systems, the a health department, uh, local health departments and community-based belt- health collaboratives and others. This is the first step in what I hope to see develop into a very broad cross-sector coalition uh, of financial institutions, local governments, state government agencies, uh, banks, uh, philanthropies, faith-based uh, organizations. Uh, and others. And as I said at the uh, uh, outset, when all of those forces get together, align ourselves around a common agenda with respect to these social determinants of health, I believe we can make a big impact. Our next task will be coming up with what that common agenda is. There's so many problems that need addressing. We just need to focus in on one for the time being and Uh, develop some initiatives around that, and I believe we can move the needle on it.
1: I absolutely agree, and this kind of collaborative effort is something that uh, our members are very excited about, bringing a bunch of partners together to address uh, these broader public health and, and social challenges. If you would, very quickly, we mentioned your work with the Virginia Department of Health, and we just briefly touched on the Population Health Initiative, Uh, but VDH does so much more than that. For the benefit of those who may not be familiar with the scope and the breadth of everything that VDH does, can you just provide a a brief sampling of of the many areas of the health sphere that VDH is involved in?
0: Our mission here at uh, VDH is to uh, protect and uh, improve the health of the citizens of the Commonwealth, and as you said, that's a pretty, very, very broad and encompassing uh, mission. We do everything from inspect and, and ensure the safety of drinking water for local communities, municipalities, counties, and so on, to disease surveillance across the state looking at and keeping track of communicable diseases and when we see that there is an uptick in a particular area of developing responses to that. We run the emergency medical services around the state. We are environmental health specialists, uh, inspect uh, restaurants, they ensure that campgrounds are uh, safe in terms of sanitation. We Look at the fisheries, shellfish, for example, with the recent rains has been a runoff into those fishery areas, contaminating many, and we keep track of that and close them down um, when they become contaminated, open them back up, when that's been cleared up. We run an immunization program across the state. We um, also run a, a number of... Uh, programs for um, maternal and child health, family planning clinics in all of our local uh, health districts. Uh, We do uh, clinics for uh, sexually transmitted illnesses. We do reproductive services for women in our clinics, as well as being in some communities across the state, the safety net clinic for people who cannot find primary care elsewhere in the community. And that's, I'm sure I've missed a bunch. I'd have to sit down and run through all 12 of our offices and all the various programs that we conduct. I know we have 42 service areas that we administer across the Commonwealth. That's our core business. The population health stuff that we were talking about earlier is something that we're doing on top of that day-to-day work, which is essential. Uh, work. I don't want to belittle it at all. I feel very strongly that we cannot improve the health of the of big uh, layers of our population without dealing with with social determinants of health, and that's something we're working with VHHA on to try to do. At the same time, however, I think it's very clear that uh, you can't talk about improving the health of the population if there's uh, lead in the water. So we gotta, we got to make sure the water is clean as well as uh, deal with uh, some of these other issues.
1: And that is quite a broad portfolio that VDH oversees. Let's shift the focus a little bit back to you personally now. We've talked about your career and the path you've taken. We've talked about what you do at VDH and what the agency does. In your work directly dealing with patients and treating patients. I wonder if there's a particularly memorable patient story from your clinical days that remains with you today. I wonder if you could share uh, an anecdote along those lines.
0: It's interesting you ask that. that One of the uh, things that kept me uh, excited in all the years that I was working at the uh, University of Virginia and before that up in Alaska was the contact with and interaction with patients. It it really was a grounding experience uh, for me in my research. And I believe it's helped me see the importance of public health as a uh, way to really give back to the community. And, And specifically, I can think of a patient who had Substance use disorder, uh, was addicted to prescription uh, narcotics. She wanted to get clean because she was uh, wanting to uh, become pregnant and have a child and managed to do that, but was also facing a lot of economic hardships and was c- uh, couch surfing, essentially homeless. And so Actually, wound up going to the um, sheriff's department and asking them to put her in jail until she could have the baby. And when I think about things, and that's what happened, and she had the baby. Unfortunately, she was back in in that same situation of uh, couch surfing with the baby and winding up in a home with uh, a number of people who were using and she relapsed, and one thing led to another, and she wound up having that baby uh, put into foster care. What that underscored for me is that the, the medical treatment was the least challenging part of things for her. Getting her uh, medically-assisted therapy in order to get off of the narcotics, you could do that. The far bigger problem for her was a lack of affordable housing and um, her whole social situation. I remember that every time I think about the fact that, you know, we really need to band together to deal with these health-related social needs, because if we don't, uh, whatever we do, you know, sometimes people will be able to get treatment and successfully conquer some illness, but all too often... We wind up throwing them right back into the conditions that generated the problem in the first place.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that story. That's uh heartrending and also a powerful reminder of the importance of what we've been discussing, which is collaboration across sectors to address some of these really bedrock issues that can perhaps be the difference between someone living a productive life and, and or falling back into less productive behaviors and, and habits. Lastly, I, I thank you very much for being so gracious with your time. We will conclude with this question. It's one that we borrow from a popular BBC program, and the question is this. If you were deserted on a desert island and you were able to take one book and one album with you, and you get the Bible, so separate from the Bible, if you could take one book and one album with you, in this hypothetical, what would those two pieces of art be?
0: One book and one album? Yes, sir. Oh, boy. The album would be uh, Kind of Blue by uh, Miles Davis. That's a classic. And the book, what would the book be? Um, I think um, let's go with the book of equanimity. It's a collection of Zen uh, coins.
1: On that note, with those recommendations, we'd like to <laughs> thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule today and participating in this episode of the Patients Come First podcast. So thank you for being with us, Dr. Oliver.
0: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: That's going to do it for today's episode of the Patients Come First podcast. You can find new episodes as they become available at www.vhha.com. You can also find episodes of the podcast on SoundCloud. We also encourage you to engage with us on social media, including Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to send us comments, questions, or feedback for the podcast, you can do that through our Twitter account at Virginia HHA using the hashtag PatientsComeFirst. Thanks.